Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Around Christmas time, around Easter time, other kind of high church festival times, newspapers will often call the church and they want to talk to the pastor about how they feel about particular seasons of the year to get your thoughts on it, whether it's become too commercialized or, you know, all kinds of great stuff your church is planning on doing. And I even had one time a person ask me whether the Easter Bunny would be making an appearance at our church. When I got off the floor and stopped laughing, I said no. <laughs> but I remember a couple of years ago, one of the local newspapers called, and they said, we want to know how, what you think about Easter, what's the first word that comes to your mind? And I said, scary. That was his reaction. It was dead silent. What do you mean, scary? I said, it was scary. He said, don't you mean cute or joyous or fluffy or nice or happy? I said, no, it was scary. You know, there's nothing cute or tame really about Easter if you think about it. I mean, let's take a, I want you to take a really close look at Easter this morning. If you think back to the scripture lesson I read to you before, the Bible tells us that Easter began with what? An earthquake. Kind of like this morning, although we call it thunder, but it was an earthquake that started this day. And I don't know if you've ever been in an earthquake or felt like one. It is not joyous. It is not happy. It is not fluffy. It is not bouncy. It is scary. Matthew's text said that the guards who were watching Jesus' tomb were so what? Happy, joyful, hopping around? No, they said they were afraid because what happened? Angels suddenly appeared. They keeled over like dead men. Doesn't sound real happy to me. Sounds pretty scary. You know, from the moment we begin to think about Easter, we're reminded that Easter is very confrontational. And those who bother to understand the significance of Easter, I think, find it impossible to avoid those implications. I mean, the guards were the very first ones to find out how scary Easter really was. They were knocked down to the ground. They were so scared. But when they came to, they didn't go, Oh, wow, Jesus is alive. No, they were trembling. They were fearing for their life because they knew that the Roman Empire emperor would have their necks for letting Jesus escape out of a guarded tomb. They were so frightened by the angels that later they had to be bribed into telling everybody that somebody came and stole the body away. Who are the next people to confront Easter? Well, these are the women. We know what they were thinking when they were walking to the tomb. They were going to go to find the place where Jesus had been buried. They were thinking that it was going to be what? Totally impossible to move that big stone away. Unless they could get some help. I want you to allow your mind just to kind of go back a couple of thousand years and think about this. These three women hurrying to the tomb. I can almost picture the women talking. I'm not going to imitate a woman up here, but you know, I can almost picture them. It's like, oh no, you know, the rock is so big. You know, how in the world are we going to get this, 
to move. I mean, you know, Mary, this would seem like a good idea at the time, but maybe we're just wasting our time. You know, we might not even be able to get to Jesus, and I don't know, at least we're making the effort. And, and wouldn't you know it, you can't find a single man when you need one. But you know, the women had no more faith that Jesus was going to come out of that grave than did the men. They were not going to the tomb to see whether Jesus had actually risen from the grave. They weren't hurrying to see whether Jesus was gone. Really, all they expected was to find that dead, lifeless body of Jesus laying there, and as we heard on, what, Good Friday or Monday Thursday, wrapped in a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloe, and they were going to anoint him with oil. Their big concern for that morning was just a big rock. They were not prepared for what happened. Certainly not an empty tomb. Certainly not a missing Jesus. Even their reaction kind of surprises, if you think so. Instead of seeing it rolled open and going, yeah, they went, oh, no. The women had forgotten all about the teachings of Jesus about resurrection. And when the women went to tell the disciples that Jesus is missing, Peter had to check it out for himself. And I always picture this, a big old lumbering fisherman chugging through the city, sweating like a pig. You know, he climbs the hill to the tombs, and, and it's not here comes Peter Cottontail hopping down the bunny trail. This is Peter who is frantic, and he is fearful that somebody has stolen Jesus. That's why I told the newspaper, Easter is scary business. Easter is confrontational. We want our Easter's to be joyous occasions, so we're dressed up and we try to make this the happiest day we can make it. But I want to suggest to you, friends, that Easter's mood isn't very joyful at all. It's fear. The guards were afraid on Easter. The women were afraid on Easter. Peter was afraid on Easter. And it got worse. You know, it got worse. They stepped into the tomb, and there in the cool darkness, Matthew's account said they encountered an angel. You remember what the text said their reaction to that was? They were alarmed. Now, they had a really nice perceptive angel who caught on really quick because he said, don't be alarmed. Now, notice, he didn't say, hey, come on, rejoice with me. Jesus is alive. He said, don't be alarmed. Why? Because these poor women were shaken in their sandals. They were afraid. They were scared. Then the angel delivered the most alarming, scary news of all. He said, oh, you're looking for Jesus? The Nazarene? The one who is crucified? He's risen. He's not here. And then he pointed to the proof. He said, look, see the place where they laid him. And he would have pointed over to a kind of a, a shelf on a stone wall where the body of Jesus would have been laid. Now, when the angel said, you know, come on, ladies, calm down. Don't get so excited. Look, he's gone. The shelf is emptied. Did that settle them down? Did that have a calming effect on them? <laughs> Not on your life. They got out of there as fast as their little feet could get them. 
What did the text say again? The text says, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. It was feet don't fail me now time. They said nothing to anyone. Why? They were afraid, the text says. The other day, I took my life in my own hands. You know, Lutheran going to the Baptist Bible bookstore. I like going over there. They treat me real good. I was looking for some Easter cards. There are all kinds of Easter cards. I suppose some of you did the same thing. You got Easter cards for mom and dad. You got Easter cards for grandma and grandpa. And you got Easter cards for aunts and uncles. You got Easter cards for cousins and friends. And Easter cards for people who sent you an Easter card that you feel now that you have to send them an Easter card. But I could not find one single Easter card of three women holding on to their skirts, running for dear life. He's gone. But isn't that the real picture of Easter? That's what I thought. I thought, wouldn't that be cool? Three women running away from an empty grave, scared. Now, I know already some of you are saying, come on, Pastor, give us a break. Easter's supposed to be a time of joy. I mean, don't rain on our parade. No, it wasn't me. I mean, come on, Pastor. Jesus is risen. He's alive. I mean, death is dead because Christ is alive. Isn't that the message you're supposed to preach today? Happy days are here again? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Easter is a time of joy. But not without a healthy dose of fear first. See, with no fear... There is nothing to be joyful about. Let me ask you, what are you afraid of? Anybody fear the tax man? For he cometh. Some people are afraid of the boogeyman. Some people are afraid this sermon's going to last forever. I have a hunch that one of your greatest fears, and I'm going to nail it right here, the greatest fear that many of you have is the fear of death. No one wants to look that one in the eye very long. That's why some people don't go to funerals. That's why some people want to get rid of people who die as quickly as they can, because they don't want to have to face that. But the truth is, friends, that the person who sits to your left and to your right this morning is terminal. And guess what? So are you. That's not very good news. Now, I'm not trying to be morbid on an Easter Sunday. I'm just telling you the truth. Every last one of us, unless Jesus decides to part the sky, crack the clouds, send the trumpets, send the angels, unless that happens first, we're all going to die. Sooner or later, all of us are going to be sitting in a room like this with very quiet little organ music being played, surrounded by a bunch of flowers and a whole bunch of people whispering, hopefully, nice things about us. Are you afraid of death? I'll admit to it. I'll admit to it. I'm not necessarily looking forward to it, even though I, I would tell you honestly, like Paul, to die would be a whole lot better than this. I mean, if this is the best we got, what is this? I mean, I like Texarkana, but if this is the best it is, 
I prefer heaven. You know, most of us are a little bit afraid of death. I mean, you can't blame the women for running. You can't blame Peter for running. I mean, put yourself in, the, in their shoes, folks. You meet an angel in the graveyard in the dark, what are you going to do? Derek, you'd be saying, feet don't fail me now. Or you found out, or you find that somebody you left for dead, somebody you sealed up tight in a tomb, is up and at him again. You tell me whether you'd be standing around looking for him. You'd be heading for an upper room somewhere. I'm just telling you that Easter is not as prim and as proper and calm and nice as we sometimes make it out to be. I mean, that's really not Easter at all. Easter is an earthquake. Easter is a giant rolling stone. Easter is an empty graveyard. Easter is a dead man walking. And when you don't try to dress it up, guess what? Easter is a pretty scary thing. Maybe you've never thought about Easter that way before. Maybe you're used to the toned-down version of Easter, and you're wondering, well, why is Easter so scary? This biblical account gives us three reasons. I want to share these with you. Three reasons. First of all, Easter is frightening because Jesus is on the loose. You know that? Easter is frightening because Jesus is now on the loose. I mean, you look again what the angel told the women as they were kind of running all over each other trying to get out of the tomb. He would say, go tell his disciples and Peter. You probably wondered why it was listed that way, didn't you? Go tell his disciples and Peter. That's a whole other sermon. File that to the side. Go tell his disciples and Peter. He's going to go ahead of you to the Galilee. Tell them to go up there. He's going to meet you there. If you're a disciple who abandoned him, deserted him, betrayed him, how excited are you to go meet up with a live Jesus again? I mean, what do you do with somebody who's conquered death? What do you do with somebody who's escaped from the grave? What do you do? What does he want to do with you when he meets with you? He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll meet him, just as he told you. Is that good news? Or is that bad news? Is Jesus risen? I mean, what does that mean? It means that Jesus is out in this world, folks. He's waiting for us. He's expecting us to be there where he wants us to be. I mean, what could he possibly, what could this Jesus turn loose in the world possibly want with you and me? I mean, the disciples all fled like little babies, you know, when they got arrested. Each one in his own way had failed miserably. Let Jesus down in his greatest time of need. I mean, when the going gets tough, guess what? The disciples bailed out. And now Jesus wants to see them. I'm thinking if I'm Peter, I'm just going to get a good chewing out. If I'm Mark who ran out of my clothes, I was so scared, I'm figuring Jesus is going to really scold me for something like that. It's kind of like a heavenly summons. It's a little scary. You know, Jesus is on the loose. You know Jesus. You all know him, don't you? The one who died on the cross, the one who people saw take him down, the one that they sealed in the tomb. Maybe you weren't standing all that close. <laughs> that was Jesus on that cross. Before they crucified him, he was healing people. He was transforming people's lives. He even raised other people from the dead. 
what on earth is Jesus going to do now? That could be a little unsettling. That's a little disturbing. It's a little frightening. You know, I think that's why some people sit about as far away from the front of the church as possible. They don't want to get any Jesus on them. Now, I'm not talking about anybody here. I remember that when I was teaching high school, we'd have chapel. Man, they'd get in there as fast as they could, those high school kids would sit in the back. Some of them, I honestly think, they were afraid Jesus was in this place. They didn't want any of him on them. Because, friends, when Jesus is loose and Jesus gets a hold of you, you won't be the same. I've been called a lot of names in my life. One I don't mind, Jesus freak. Don't mind that one a bit. I don't mind being nuts for Jesus. Jesus was loose and he caught me. I didn't catch him. He caught me. Changes lives. There's a second reason to fear at Easter, and that's because God has the last word. You know that God has the last word. From where we sit this morning, it appears that our mortality is inevitable. Everything that lives must die. Everything that dies is over and done with. But the angel said something very interesting. He said, he's risen. And if that's true, if Jesus really is risen from the grave, then death does not have the last word, does it? God has the last word. Now, how does that strike you? See, if Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried, then what we suspected about the world is true. Evil reigns supreme. And a lot of people live that way. They live like Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried, period. But if Jesus got out of that tomb, if Jesus is risen, if the stone is rolled away and life actually outlasts death, then God has the last word. Not man, not the devil. And if God has the last word, then your fear can suddenly start turning to joy, can it not? But even that has a little reason for fear. The facts of life and death are kind of turned on their head. Nothing is secure. Nothing is fixed. Jesus is risen. God has the last laugh on death. Things just aren't the same as they were before. Jesus, friends, is on the loose. He's alive and well. And he's got the last word over sin and death. And Satan. That brings us to the third reason why Easter might want to frighten us a little bit, and that's because eternity is within our grasp. Eternity. Right here, within our grasp. If Jesus is on the loose, and Easter is God's last word to us about our destiny, then there's a little reason for us to tremble. I mean, if there is a way to conquer the grave, we can't cover it over and try to make it cute and cuddly. We can't dress it up. We can't tone it down. If there's a way for us to live on past the grave, we need to make very sure that we don't miss it. And sometimes we can miss all the joy that comes with Easter because we piled so much sugar coating on top of it. You know, God's absence sometimes can be easier than God's presence. See, in some ways, it's a whole lot easier to go out to a cemetery to anoint a dead body than it is to deal 
with a living God. And it's certainly easier to unpack a box of Easter decorations than it is to confront an empty tomb. Friends, God has placed eternity into the heart of every last one of us. Eternity is within our grasp, yet we sometimes prefer to ignore that, tone it down and fill our things with things of this world. I heard this at a conference not long ago. One of the speakers said how we are to live in the world, but not to be of the world. Live in it, but not of the world. But Christians sometimes say, well, I really don't want to live in the world either because it might catch me. So I'm going to go and I'm going to live in the church, but I bring all the world in the church with me. And I let it infect and influence the way I think. And it covers up what I ought to know true about Easter. I want to end by showing you something the Apostle Paul wrote about the resurrection. If you've got a Bible, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to start at verse 20. Paul writes these words. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through the man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ, the first fruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. And then if you go down to verse 51, you often hear these words read at the time of a funeral. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, friends, there is a way to conquer death. There is a way to get rid of Easter fear. There is a way to live past the grave. Paul tells us right here, it's God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, and that is the sum total of the Easter message, Jesus Christ is risen. And because he's risen, death has been defeated. And because death has been defeated, the grave is powerless to hold on to us. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? (laughs) And you want to tone that down? No, we don't want to tone that down. See, Easter means three things, friends. Jesus is on the loose. God has the last word. And eternity is within our grasp. And that might frighten you a little bit, and maybe it should. Maybe we need to always step back, clean up our Easter a little bit, to sanitize it a little bit and take off some of the commercial wrappings, to throw away the soft and kind of cuddly characters that surround it, to take off the dressing and stop trying to tone down what Easter is really all about. Easter isn't bunnies and baskets. It's promise and perfection. It's righteousness and redemption. It's service and sacrifice. Easter is Jesus, victorious over the grave and reigning forever. As someone said, a whole lot smarter than me, fear him and you will always serve him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. 
his victory over the grave, which really is our victory over the grave. We know that Jesus is loose in this world, and he wants to capture the hearts of every living person. He has a calling on each of our lives, and he has the last word. I'm so very thankful that he has the last word over sin, death, and Satan as well. Father, we rejoice this day. Keep us focused on the risen Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, let's stand for our closing blessing.